You're on. Well, welcome to the Dipshit Files, episode 90. Hi, Mrs. Scriptkeeper. Hello. You've got yourself a conspiracy file today. I do. And you're yeah. going to make the case for JFK and who killed JFK? Yeah, I'm going to share um, a conspiracy theory about who killed JFK. Right. And yeah. one specific one. You're going to build the case for... I'm building a case for... They'll tell it. They'll know in a minute. You'll see. Yeah, you'll see. Okay. But I'm building this case. Uh, I'm not sure where I stand either way. Let's just get into it. Okay. And then you'll see. Before we get into this week's show, it's Cards, Cards, Cards. Cards, Cards. February 20th, another release is going to be the 2024 Cryptid Collection brought (laughs) to you by the Dipshit Files. Yay. It's technically our first cards. Yeah. And I like that. This is a cool set because it has like things like the Wendigo, Loch Ness mm-hmm. Monster, Yeti, all that shit. They're all fucking foil, mm-hmm. silver foil. And one of my favorites. They kind of look like the 1987 top set a little bit. Mm-hmm. I based it off of that for baseball fans. But got some bullshit on the back. <laughs> they actually come with a Mrs. Scriptkeeper Dark Series card oh, in a yeah. magnetic case. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be cool. So you'll get 10 cards in total, 9 for the set, and then an extra... Mrs. Scriptkeeper card foiled mm. out. It's one of my favorite foil cards, too. Is it? That's the one where I'm screaming. Yeah. Well, it's certainly of my favorite person. Mm. But all right. Well, anyway, cards, cards, cards. They'll be all in top loaders and all that bullshit. You know how we do. So for any of you guys that are into that right now, they're also part of the official 2024 set. So they're mm. numbered to go along with all the ones that are coming before it. So, hey. all right, enough. Let's get into the bullshit. Yeah. Now it's time for the Dipshit Files presents the JFK assassination. Uh, so, what really happened to JFK? Aliens. Was it a single shooter who fired multiple shots, or was it actually three shooters from different angles, as some evidence appears to show? Two shooters? Who knows? Did Lee Harvey Oswald really pull the trigger? Hmm. So many questions have been left unanswered in one of America's most tragic moments. So let's dig a bit into one theory that suggests the CIA was actually behind JFK's assassination. And there is some compelling evidence to support this idea. In today's episode, we dive into one of the wildest conspiracy theories out there. But could it actually be true? I don't know. Hmm? You tell me. (laughs) So we've all heard it over the years. JFK was murdered by our own government. Usually, though, this conversation comes up in a pub late into the evening after several beers and a few rounds of pool. But... If you were ever skeptical of John F. Kennedy's assassination being an inside job, this two-part episode might just cause you to reconsider your rock-solid stance on what you've been told. Welcome to what many believe to be the most convincing of all JFK conspiracy theories. Uh But before we talk about the evidence, and there is a fuck ton of it, that may surprise even our most skeptical of listeners, we need to dig a bit into the reasoning behind the crime. So let's talk a bit about motive. Okay. What motivates assholes to do asshole things? Let's find out. So why would the CIA, maybe with various other officials of the American government, want to take out their own president? I mean, 
if found guilty. It's a crime that would disgrace America forever. Mm. The risk involved with this was massive. So there had to be a very, very big reason to go through such a, a risky and well treasonous plan. Aliens. So we're going to start this thing in Cuba. Cuba. In, in a place called Veradero Beach, located about two hours from the capital of Havana. A French journalist named Jean Daniel met and dined with the Cuban leader Fidel Castro at his summer residence. A man the CIA actually went to nearly ridiculous lengths to try and assassinate. Mm -hmm. At about 1.30 p.m. Cuban time, the phone rang. The news from the other end was that someone had tried to assassinate John F. Kennedy. Castro and Daniel already had quite a lengthy discussion about Kennedy before they received this news. The Cuban leader pointed out that he was reassured by how JFK and the Soviet Union leader Nikita Khrushchev had been getting along so well, and they were possibly working to effectively end the Cold War. At one point, Castro told Daniel, quote, I know that for Khrushchev, Kennedy is a man you can feel comfortable talking to. I have gotten this impression from all my conversa conversations with Khrushchev, end quote. Castro told him that he was looking forward to working with Kennedy once the president secured a second term. Let's not forget, Castro was a man the CIA despised. So when news outlets confirmed that Kennedy was dead, Castro, according to Daniel, was very solemn. Castro turned to him and said, quote, everything is changed. Everything is going to change, end quote. And it absolutely did. There would be no, no peace talks with the Soviet Union, and that's for sure. The Cold War would continue for many, many more years. On March 13, 1962, the United States Army General Lyman Lenmitzer, who was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, presented a plan to the Secretary of Defense, a man JFK trusted, Robert McNamara. Like many of the people working in the highest positions of American military and intelligence, Lemnitzer wanted to invade Cuba. However, in order to do that, the U.S. would need a good reason. So, Lemnitzer introduced Operation Northwoods to McNamara. Mm -hmm. So, this plan basically summed up the caliber of people that surrounded Kennedy. Mm. So, for those that may not know... In a quick nutshell, Operation Northwoods was what's called a false flag operation, a, f a fabricated event in which a fake hostile action requires an offensive response. Lemnitzer wanted to attack the U.S. military bases and blame it on the Cubans. So amidst the gunfire and explosions, U.S. intelligence propagandists would spread rumors on the radio about this vicious attack on innocent Americans. They would hire friendly Cubans to walk around close to the attacks in Cuban military uniforms. Then they'd pretend to capture these men. There would be fires set, aircrafts burned, installations bombed, ships attacked, and later even funerals for fake victims. I mean, this sounds so wily coyote. Doesn't it, though? Governments are filled with people, remember? Lem they're like, oh, I got this great idea. No, <laughs> the things that we're discussing in this episode are well documented. Yep. I, I'd like to say that. <laughs> yeah, you can look up Project yes. Northwoods. So Lemnitzer said they would publish casualty lists in all the biggest newspapers along with terrible stories to get enough popular support to start an invasion of Cuba. An excerpt from the proposal summing up the desire is this, quote, 
The desired result from the execution of this plan would be to place the United States in the apparent position of suffering defensible grievances from a rash and irresponsible government of Cuba and to develop an international image of a Cuban threat to peace in the Western Hemisphere, end quote. In part four of the proposal, he wrote, quote, we could develop a communist Cuba terror campaign in the Miami area, in other Florida cities, and even Washington, end quote. He said there would be wounding of innocent people to be widely publicized. Those are heavy air quotes, by the way. They wanted to explode a few plastic bombs in carefully chosen spots. U.S. citizens would be outraged, and of course they'd say yes, go, kill those commie terrorists. As crazy as it sounds, it was par for the course. This brand of sabotage was not unusual during the Cold War. Right. Lemnitzer said all the Joint Chiefs were on board with the plan, and the CIA was firing on all cylinders to make it happen. They believed the evil communists had to be stopped at any cost, which is partly why the CIA committed or encouraged humans' rights abuses all over the world during the Cold War. This was the political environment JFK entered when he was elected president. Yeah, the ends justify the means is a big political motto for Ugly. all the different teams. Right? Yeah. So to appreciate the JFK assassination conspiracy theory, you have to understand what lengths certain people in the U.S. military and intelligence would go to. Kennedy dismissed Operation Northwoods, telling Lemnitzer and other key advisors that he could not foresee anything in the near future that would justify and make desirable the use of American forces for overt military action. That was a direct quote. In Cuba. Now, by the way, this, I've said this before, well documented, as is everything that we're going to talk about in today's episode. So hold on to your hats because it's going to get weird. Mm -hmm. So according to the conspiracy theory, JFK was isolated in his own government. He had already lost support among many of his advisors after the 1961 Bay of Pigs incident when the CIA secretly sent 1,400 Cuban exiles they'd trained into Cuba. Kennedy was a much younger president, one with different ideas about how to carry out politics. This plan had been drawn up during the Eisenhower administration before him, and even though JFK would go on to discuss similar plans during his term, at the end of the day, he was expected to do what he was told. This idea that presidents are all-powerful is a misnomer. Yeah. They are more the face of the White House rather than the decision-makers. Yeah, there's an unelected government that just keeps on existing. Yes. Whoever gets elected, doesn't matter. Right. So this all started when Castro's forces overthrew the Cuban dictator Fulgencio Batista in 1959. The CIA now wanted to throw Castro out, just as they'd secretly done already with success to leaders in Iran and Guatemala, with plenty of assassinations on the way. To get the job done, Cuban exiles were trained by the U.S. at guerrilla training camps in Guatemala. American involvement was supposed to be kept secret, which <laughs> obviously didn't happen. Yeah. This whole thing was a total shit show. Mm -hmm. Castro's troops won and then captured many of the exiles. Kennedy later told friends that the Bay of Pigs was a trap. The older men around him had thought Kennedy would be drawn into sending in the troops. He told his friends Dave Powers and Ken O'Donnell, quote, 
they were sure I'd give in to them, end quote. He added, they couldn't believe a new president like me wouldn't panic, he said. They had me figured out all wrong. Hmm. JFK didn't trust many of the older guys who advised him, and especially the CIA director, Alan Dulles. Hmm. Dulles admitted in memoirs found after his death that the plan was always to get Kennedy to send in the troops rather than, quote, permit the enterprise enterprise to fail, end quote. Instead, JFK handed Cuba $53 million worth of baby food and medicine in exchange for the prisoners Castro had taken. It was a total embarrassment. And while JFK gave the green light on assassination plans for Castro, he still had to keep pushing back the vultures around him that kept telling him to invade Cuba. Then there was Vietnam. The U.S. had been active in Vietnam for years. In 1954, Vice President Richard Nixon said, quote, if the French withdrew, the United States might have to take the risk now by putting our own boys in, end quote. The CIA later helped French forces through its Saigon military mission, or the SMM, directing paramilitary campaigns against the communists and assisting with uh, what? Again, propaganda, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The U.S. even considered using tactical nukes on Vietnam to help the French that were involved in battle under Operation Vulture. Much later, in May 1961, JFK agreed to send in 500 Special Forces troops and military advisors to help the pro-Western government of South Vietnam. That's how these things start. Right. Uh, A year later, close to 11,000 American military advisors were working in South Vietnam. And, of course, Kennedy approved that. That's how they do. Instead of calling it a war, they mm-hmm. call it like a police thing. Or I something. know. It's a little, we're just intervening. Yeah. And then instead of it's soldiers, they're like, it's an associate. <laughs> we put in 27,000 associates, 67,000 coming. Soft language. Yeah, very soft. The Americans did not want the communists overrunning Southeast Asia. So under JFK, U.S. presence did increase. But Kennedy would soon start thinking differently about Vietnam. He was under a lot of pressure to send actual combat troops to Vietnam. As the Pentagon Papers would later show, he was willing to send in advisors and let the CIA do what it needed to do. But he was against sending in, quote, units capable of independent combat, end quote. The Pentagon Papers, by the way, were thousands of pages of top secret Department of Defense actions up until 1968 in Indochina. They were released in 1971 and showed the American public a very different side to military America, which would include secret campaigns in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, and result in many, many thousands of dead civilians. In CIA, the CIA was out of control, which likely wouldn't have happened had JFK survived. That's what the conspiracy theorists think, anyway. Daniel Ellsberg, the military analyst and activist behind the Pentagon Papers, had always been unsure about where Kennedy had stood on Vietnam. It didn't seem to make sense to him, sending in more men, yet remaining reluctant to send in the combat troops. So, he asked JFK's brother, Robert Kennedy, when he got the chance in 1967. RFK, by the way, also soon to be assassinated Mm -hmm. in 1968, 
told him that his brother had rejected, quote, the urgent advice of every one of his top military and civilian officials, end quote, which was to send in the troops. Years later, Ellsberg recorded this conversation and said, this is what RFK had said when he was asked why his brother wouldn't send in those combat troops. RFK said, because we already were there in 1951. We saw what was happening to the French. We saw it. Hmm. My brother was determined, determined to never let that happen to us. End quote. JFK knew what would happen, partly because of Senate Majority Leader Mike Mansfield, who he'd sent on a fact-finding mission to South Vietnam in 1962. Mansfield returned and told JFK that getting into a war in Vietnam would be a huge mistake. JFK later signed National Security Action Memorandum 217, which forbade high-ranking military and civilian personnel from going into South Vietnam without State Department clearance. Now, (laughs) this pissed off the Pentagon. JFK told Mansfield he was thinking about a full withdrawal from Vietnam, but he would wait. His actual words were, but I can't do it until 1965 after I'm reelected, end quote. If he tried before, he'd be criticized by the conservatives and might lose some of the vote. JFK told his friends and cons- his friend and consultant, a man we mentioned earlier, Kenneth O'Donnell, in 1965, I'll become one of the most unpopular presidents in history. I'll be damned everywhere as a communist appeaser, but I don't care, end quote. McNamara later surprised the military heads in a meeting in Honolulu when he told them a thousand U.S. military personnel were to be withdrawn from South Vietnam by the end of the calendar year 1963. McNamara told them to draw up concrete plans. However, it seems the military had other ideas. Fuck them, let's do war things. Right. After JFK's death, those combat troops were sent in masses. Mm -hmm. This happened when U.S. officials and subsequently the media said there'd been an unprovoked attack on American vessels in the Gulf of Tonkin. But the With Jim fa- Morrison's dad. <laughs> what? Come on, baby, love my father. Right? But the facts about this attack were at best manipulated and at worst totally contrived. Absolutely. An absolute fucking lie. Yep. These facts served as an excuse to go to war with Vietnam. Mm-hmm. The Tonkin Gulf Resolution, written by Congress, gave the president virtually unlimited power to do whatever he wanted in Southeast Asia, a power that was very much exercised by both Linda B. Johnson and later Richard Nixon. And Henry fucking Kissinger in the background, all that shit, being a cunt. (laughs) Almost 200 documents that the National Security Agency declassified in 2005 and 2006 show us that Congress was misled. We won't go into all the details today, but what was said and what happened were two very different things. And at the time, the misinformation was enough to make war with Vietnam look justifiable. But JFK's Vietnam withdrawal plan wasn't all of it. In 1993, a Canadian newspaper, through a Freedom of Information request, had 21 secret letters that were written between JFK and Khrushchev declassified. They talked about the outdoors and recreational activities, and they also talked about atomic weapons and the destruction of the world. 
In one letter, Khrushchev compared their situation to the mythological Noah's Ark, saying they might see each other as clean and unclean, but in the bigger scheme of things, they were on the same ark together and wanted the same thing. They did not want to blow the whole world up. Hmm. JFK replied, saying he liked that analogy, adding, quote, whatever our differences, our collaboration to keep the peace is an urgent, if not more urgent than our collaboration to win the last world war end quote yeah what a scary time to be alive having all those missiles pointed right. at everyone and just conversations and right. propaganda everywhere <laughs> we are stupid stupid creatures stupid well, dumb <laughs> dumb dumb stoops we're the stoops uh, they might have been on friendly terms in those letters but that didn't stop the cuban missile crisis welcome to earth we're stoops after the americans deployed missiles in italy and turkey the soviets deployed ballistic missiles in cuba icbms this was fighting talk in fact what happened next is generally thought to be the closest the world ever came to a nuclear war yeah despite both countries knowing that many, many, many millions of innocent people would die. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the crisis, JFK was under pressure to launch an attack, which he knew would mean a full-scale nuclear war. RFK, who was then the U.S. Attorney General, told the Russian ambassador Anatoly Dobrynin, Quote, we are under severe stress. In fact, we are under pressure from our military to use force against Cuba. End quote. He then said, please pass this message to Khrushchev through unofficial channels. He said, even though the president is against any action in Cuba, an irreversible chain of events could occur against his will. Against his will. This is important to understand. Yeah. JFK knew when people such as General Curtis LeMay said to hit them now and be done with it, they were deadly serious. Mm -hmm. In that particular instance, JFK replied sarcastically, quote, and what do you think the reprisal would be, end quote, encouraging him to think about his actions. That should, I mean, fuck me, right? Right. How did you get to your position? <clears throat> well, I just kill things. That's, right. Okay. I, yeah. Squish. Fair off. enough. <laughs> JFK later told his friend and special assistant, Dave Powers, quote, can you imagine LeMay saying something like that? These brass hats have one advantage in their favor. If we listen to them and do what they want us to do, none of us will be alive later to tell them they were wrong. <laughs> End quote. Nothing like having <laughs> no consequences for your dumb ideas. Right. It's like the nature of government. Like, <sighs> well, you made this stupid thing happen. Uh, who gets the blame for it? Not me. Well, I'm running for re-election. I'm denying. I, I, I just tried something. Sorry. Uh -huh. A bunch of people got all fucked up. My bad. <laughs> just trying stuff. I'm an awesome human. JFK and Khrushchev came to an agreement. Khrushchev withdrew those missiles from Cuba. The U.S. did the same in Europe. But that was done in secret. So Mr. Khrushchev lost the vote of confidence in Russia. He was seen as a weak man for trying to save the world from obliteration. <laughs> yeah. JFK later told the historian Arthur Meyer Schlesinger Jr., quote, the military are mad. They wanted me to do this. They were also mad at him, not just mad in general. They got even madder when he made his commencement address at the American University in Washington on June 10th, 1963. He started the speech by telling the students in attendance he wanted to focus on one topic, peace. 
His words have gone down in U.S. history. To understand why he was taken out, you need to hear some of this speech. Like Eisenhower before him, JFK understood the danger of what had become what Eisenhower called the military-industrial complex. Quote, what kind of peace do we seek? JFK asked. Not a Pax America enforced by the world by American weapons of war. Not the peace of the grave or the security of the slave. I'm talking about genuine peace, the kind of peace that makes life on earth worth living, the kind that enables men and nations to grow and to hope and to build a better life for their children, end quote. Music to the ears of many Americans, but not what the military industrial complex wanted to hear. Mm. It's hard to make bombs when you've got Right. There's (laughs) no incentive for all that money and bombs and stuff. Exactly. So he talked about wasting billions of dollars on nuclear weapons that could destroy the world. He said peace would not be easy, but the U.S. and its enemies should work toward mutual tolerance. And he added that disarmament was favorable to war. He even had the nerve to say, quote, let us reexamine our attitude toward the Soviet Union, end quote. A war with this enemy, he said, would destroy all we have built, all we have worked for. He said he hoped our military forces are committed to peace and disciplined in self-restraint. Our diplomats are instructed to avoid unnecessary irritants and purely rhetorical hostility. He said the words peace and disarmament. The word peace for the Pentagon is like bug repellent to a mosquito. (laughs) Did JFK really mean it, though? I mean, was he serious about disarmament and ending the Cold War? Or was it just political bloviation like so many before and after? Well, documents on this matter and his actions say, yes, he was serious, according to the conspiracy theorists. With all these talks of peace and disarmament, JFK had basically put a target on his head. Then, on July 25th, 1963, JFK delivered a 26-minute televised address on the nuclear test ban agreement. He and Khrushchev had agreed not to test new nuclear weapons. Kennedy told Americans in their living rooms that since the nuclear weapons had been created, all mankind has been struggling to escape from the darkening prospect of mass destruction on Earth. Mm -hmm. This was not disarmament, but he did say a journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. On October 11th that year, he signed the initial order to withdraw a thousand troops from Vietnam. That target on his head just got much bigger. In Action Memorandum 263, he said that the major part of the U.S. military task in Vietnam can be completed by the end of 1965. This memorandum later came out in the Pentagon Papers. Even so, when JFK signed that order, the CIA was doing things in Vietnam that he had no control over. The reporter and editor for the Washington Daily News, Richard Starnes, wrote that the CIA had penetrated every branch of the American government in Saigon. They ran the show. There was what Kennedy wanted in Southeast Asia, and then there was what the CIA wanted. Mm-hmm. 
they were out of control and always had been, which is why Kennedy said he would splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it into the winds. Mm. He said this about an agency that hired mafia assassins to take out politicians Mm. and had an assassination manual that talked about throwing people from buildings to make their deaths look like an accident. Very serious people. Right? So serious. The manual explained in some cases a CIA assassination must be made to look like it was committed by, quote, a fanatic of some sort, end quote. It added, quote, politics, religion, and revenge are about the only feasible motives, although it is intended that he, the assassin, die in the act, end quote. You'll hear more about this kind of fanatic assassin later. But first, let's finish the first part of this episode, our motive explanation with National Security Memorandum 239, which was titled U.S. Disarmament Proposals and was signed by John F. Kennedy. It said, quote, I have in no way changed my views of the desirability of a test ban treaty or the value of our proposals on general and complete disarmament. Further, the events of the last two years have increased my concern for the consequences of an unchecked continuation of the arms race between ourselves and the Soviet bloc, end quote. He wanted to again talk about general and complete disarmament of nuclear weapons, and he said he would be the one to lead the talks to make this happen. He was effectively talking about ending the arms race and possibly the Cold War. He meant what he had told those students about peace and stopping humanity's slow crawl to total annihilation. Ending the Cold War, say the conspiracy theorists, was about as much JFK's official enemies could take. They couldn't take any more. The target on his head was now a neon sign. Definitely turns off a profit spigot for a certain group of folk. Well, Kennedy now only had a few months of his life left to live, yet he didn't know. Now, you have a motive, right? Yeah. But at this point, no evidence, so let's investigate. Okay. Let's see what sort of evidence there is in this case. On October 31st, 1957, a man named Lee Harvey Oswald arrived at the American Embassy in Moscow and met the consul Richard Snyder. Oswald, who two months before had been discharged from the U.S. Marine Corps, told Snyder he wanted to renounce his U.S. citizenship. He then handed Snyder a letter that explained, quote, my allegiance is to the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, end quote. In an era of complete anti-communism in the U.S., this was incredibly risky, especially if Oswald ever retur- were to return to the U.S. The Soviet officials who were present were led to believe that Oswald, quote, might know something of special interest, end quote. Oswald said he would make known to them all the information concerning the Marine Corps and his specialty therein. These are all quotes from this statement. All of this is also well documented. Mm -hmm. But what did he know? Wasn't he just a regular soldier, as people were later told? Mm -hmm. It's often said that Oswald was a kind of nobody in the military. But his job as a radar operator at Atsugi Air Force Base in Japan was not a nobody's job. This was a crucial base of operations for the CIA as it acted as the headquarters in that part of the world. 
With one more base in that region, this is where the CIA's very secretive U-2 spy planes took off from. This program was run by CIA officer Richard Bissell, who worked closely with CIA director Alan Dulles, both of whom were tasked with using these planes for spying missions over the Soviet Union. Rather than a nobody, Oswald had quote-unquote crypto clearance Mm. at the radar control room where he worked, meaning the most top secret of top secret clearance. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Oswald often listened to the radio communications of the U-2. He certainly would have known many things the Soviet Union would have wanted to know. (laughs) Marine Corps Lieutenant John E. Donovan was later Oswald's officer at another base where Oswald had the same access to ultra top secret information. But what's totally weird is that when the Warren Commission later interviewed Donovan about Oswald's involvement in JFK's death, They ask not one thing about Oswald's U2 work Hmm. and his access to top secret information. But they did ask Bono and he was like, (laughs) totally. Well, this is one of the facts that the conspiracy theorists found extremely important. When Donovan was asked about that years later by a writer, he told the writer that he actually asked the Warren Commission investigators, quote, don't you want to know anything about the U2? Fuck. End quote. Fuck. They replied, nah. We asked you exactly what we wanted to know from you, and we asked you everything we wanted to know for now, and that's all. End quote. Okie dokie. Okay. Donovan then asked another guy from the program if they'd asked him about Oswald's U2 work, and he confirmed that he wasn't asked about it either. He's like, man, I was the backup drummer for four years, and they didn't fucking... Weird. Didn't care. You're confusing. (laughs) Weird, right? Yeah. It's also weird that six months after Oswald defected, the first U-2 plane was shot down by the Soviets, as if they had some kind of insider information. Go figure, huh? Mm-hmm. But guess what? What? When a year later, Oswald returned to the U.S. after some factory work in Minsk, the Americans, who had been made aware of Oswald's possible connection to the U-2 attack, allowed him just to walk right back into the country without a problem. Mm-hmm. They gave him a passport and even a loan just 24 hours after he applied for the passport. Shit. This was insane, considering that Oswald had worked on classified spying technology and defected to the enemy shortly after. Many would see this as treason. It seemed as if something strange was going on. People who later wrote about this said every single obstacle was removed for Oswald on his return to the U.S., The Warren Commission never uttered a word about Oswald's crypto clearance and his U-2 work. But why? Something else the Warren Commission didn't talk about was the fact that Oswald worked near the CIA site in Japan where MKUltra mind control experiments were conducted on captives and its own soldiers. Son of a bitch! A recently declassified CIA memo titled Truth, Drugs, in Interrogation tells us that the CIA dosed agents who performed dangerous overseas missions. Maybe the Warren Commission didn't know about the mind control stuff, but that would be surprising since the commission used CIA and FBI personnel for the investigations, which is weird. Yes, some say the CIA was tasked with investigating a crime 
it itself had committed. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Everything's right? going along as normal. Former CIA agent Victor Marchetti, who wrote a book saying many things the CIA did not want to be published, said back then, the CIA ran an operation from the Office of Naval Intelligence in which young men were to appear like they were angry at the U.S. and disenchanted with its capitalist ways. They were then sent to the Soviet Union or Eastern Europe as spies. About 40 men were in this program. Each of them was trained at Nags Head, North Carolina. They learned how to act and what to say, with the Americans knowing the KGB would pick these men up at some point. The Americans hoped the KGB would try and turn them into spies, making them valuable double agents. Hmm. Is that what Oswald was doing? When he went to the Soviet Union. It's definitely not something you can just be like, definitely not. Right. Well, it's very possible. Mm -hmm. At least that's what the conspiracy theorists say. This is all part of this this conspiracy that we're discussing today. Right. Oswald's former roommate in the U.S., James Botello, said Oswald's whole pro-communist thing was a total lie, a pretense. He told writers that Oswald was actually anti-communist. He added, I was sure that Oswald was on an intelligence operation in Russia. He said when Oswald returned and was welcomed back with open, open arms, not even being questioned by U.S. police or intelligence, he knew that Oswald was definitely working for intelligence. Additionally, considering Oswald defected to the USSR and told the guys at the embassy on record that he had information to give the Soviets, hmm. how, is it they, how is it that he could move around Without constant surveillance. Oh, shit. I mean, how did he manage to kill JFK with that kind of history, with the CIA knowing he was working right where JFK would one day pass through very soon? The conspiracy theorists say this makes zero sense. Well, the conspiracy theorists have a lot to say, and we're going to save that for next week. Yes. So we're going to stop there, and we're going to move on to uh, more evidence, because there is a shit ton. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with that. But let's do our little conclusion for this week. Yay, sounds good. Prepare your earballs for bloviation. Thank you, Mrs. Scriptkeeper, for Wait, you're welcome. That I mean, I know this is a huge topic to it go is. into. It is. And I've even bust an ass on it. And it's an interesting one for you personally. It's very interesting to me. This is something that has fascinated me and touched me in a strange way ever since I was a little girl. Hmm. And I think it's because it affected my mother so much because I think she was in the sixth grade when oh, it yeah. happened or fifth grade, something like that. Fourth grade. I yeah, don't that know. That was their nine 11 for sure. Yes. And it was, had such a big impact on her that I think I was about nine or 10 and I had stumbled across a book in my great grandmother's house that had to do with Vietnam. And I ended up, digging in and you know in a nutshell talking to my mom about it found out about JFK and all this stuff and I have been uh, very slightly obsessed ever since so it's been off and on you know I've had to let go of research at times but this is something that I've done my best to follow since I was very very young so whenever anything new is released I try and dig through it this most recent dump that happened I think September 16th or something mm-hmm I haven't been able to do any digging into that. It's been a lot of people looking into it, and yeah. it's just a ton of documents. Well, I'm sure that I can find something online. That information, though, um, 
a little bit of it is added into this week's, today's episode, and next week's episode. I know there's a little, but not a lot, because I didn't dig through it, but I do know there's some outside influence from other researchers in their articles and stuff that I pulled from. So... This is just a fascinating topic to me, and uh, it's a deep topic. And this was one of the first topics that I learned that the government is that could be immoral. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. sent me down the pipeline where it's like this is an immoral thing that we try and filter our morality through, mm-hmm. like some dumb experiment that we mm-hmm. continually just don't right. get how it's broken and isn't the way to go. But right. I mean, like I have any solutions, but when the government shows its it's weaknesses like that. That's like the worst thing for a government to mm-hmm. do is to show that it doesn't have the answers and that it can be fucking corrupt and mm-hmm. evil, really. Right. And I remember just the adults that were involved in my life, Vietnam veterans and stuff like mm-hmm. that, they just had this aura about them where they had been... Yeah, when, when your government lies to you and, mm-hmm. and a bunch of people die mm-hmm. and it has to do with patriotism and it divides a country and all these things, it's like, man, just mm-hmm. demoralizing. Right. And right, we were grown. We I was raised by those guys. Yeah, they're like I don't want to talk about it because right. the government's a bunch of shitheads. So so was I. Yeah, um, we both were. You know, I, I've got some very close ties, family ties to individuals that were at some very famous, a very famous, uh, I guess, battle. Yeah. in Vietnam, Hammer Green Hill. Hill. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. And so. Anyways, we can we can actually discuss all that stuff. We can touch on those things in Patreon for the bonus. Yep. But yep. And this, next week we're going to do the evidence for the same line of stuff. The, yes, all I'm doing is dividing this script in half. So we did motive and uh, an intro to the, the Harvey evidence. Oswald, yep. and it's just an intro to the evidence. Next week <laughs> is just stacked evidence that supports this theory. So. Right. It's, it's, I guess, evidence. I don't know if you want to call it evidence or if you want to call it information that supports the theory. You're building a case. I'm building a case. Yeah. Or this case has been built and you're sharing it with I'm j- Exactly. Yeah. I'm not the one. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Well done. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to the show every mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you, Mrs. Scriptkeeper, for presenting us such cool things. It's my even pleasure. It's dark as fuck. Yeah. If you guys want to continue to hang out with us this week and discuss this topic, we'll be in the Patreon mm-hmm. uh, doing our dipshit files bonus number five. Mm-hmm. And of course, again, next week, it's this topic again. And it's a fucking. It's just a bunch of information. I'm just going to vomit information at you. It's, just rapid fire. It's interesting to know if this <laughs> is the kind of stuff that you like or right. we're interested. We, we saw that a lot of the Patreon. Trends in our, our weekly question. Mm-hmm. Just about everybody's interested in this. Yeah, one, where, right. What the fuck, bro? Yeah. And because it is, you know, the emperor's wearing no clothes kind of mm-hmm. thing. I'm going to butter an entire government about the CIA, about mm-hmm. these agencies that are unelected and have very, very serious people that are very serious about themselves mm-hmm. at the helm of nuclear weapons mm-hmm. and people's lives. So anyway, yeah. thank you guys for supporting this show. Thank yes. you to our trusted tur- triad, Chris, Don, and Bodie, mm-hmm. always doing cool shit for us. We've got a live stream coming up that we'll be able to share some of the bullshit that we learned about here today mm-hmm. on there. But we're going to watch the Fury, Kung Fury. Kung Fury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you to our trusted turd herders. You guys know who you are. It's mm-hmm. so awesome what you guys have chosen to do to help us. It's fucking amazing. Thank you. Uh, thank you to our Reddit regulators. Yeah. PJ and Minnie. Always up. Making that conversation <laughs> kick ass in Reddit. Subreddit, as people like to say. Mm-hmm. The Meme Army always kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. Lots of kick ass things. The only reason to go on Facebook for me is mm-hmm. to get into that shitbox and see what y'all have been up to. Yeah. 
Lovely people there, by the way. And yeah, as always, we'll talk at you in the future. And it'll seem like the present. Bye-bye. Bye. Bing. Bong.